0: And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash Slash Film. Hello
1: everyone and welcome to Slash Film Daily for February 6th, 2018. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the big news that surprised us, surprised us all today, and that is that Game of Thrones creators are making a series of Star Wars films. We had plans to talk about a bunch of other news, but we're throwing that all out. We're we're doing uh, an emergency episode and, and talking about just that and but not just that actually we're also in our future presentation we will be uh, giving you our reaction and review of the Cloverfield paradox which was another surprise debut on Sunday night after the Super Bowl. This is Peter Soretta, editor in chief of SlashFilm.com, and joining me on today's podcast is managing editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend editor Brad Oman. Hello. Senior writer, Ben Pearson. What's going on? And writers, Huay Tran Bui.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: And Chrissy Evangelista, Hello. So we have the entire gang here uh, to talk about this because this is some some huge news. And that is that we are going to be getting another series of Star Wars films coming from the creators of Game of Thrones. Jacob, what do we know?
3: Well... Last year, Lucasfilm's Kathleen Candy said that they had the next 10 years of Star Wars movies planned out, and they weren't kidding because David Benioff and D.B. Weiss uh, have signed on to write and produce a new series of Star Wars movies. It's not clear if they're directing as well, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do because they they did direct a few episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, This is an interesting choice because they actually, on paper, seem like a really good fit. Uh, for something like this, uh, they know their way around intense, passionate fandoms. They know how to bring beloved uh, fictional worlds to life, and and the production of Game of Thrones is famously intense and complicated and bigger than most movies. So they already have the know how know how of managing something as huge as this. So it's one of those things where they have the geek cred, they have the actual production cred. It makes sense. I uh, I know that. The elephant in the room here, or the the Max Rebo in the room, if you want to make a nerdy joke, uh, is that despite all the efforts by Kathleen Kennedy Lucasfilm to put women and people of color on screen in Star Wars, it is another two white guys. And that's disappointing. Uh, Even though I love Game of Thrones, I think they're a good fit. At the same time, like, oh, it's a little obvious. So I'm going to throw it out to you guys, Game of Thrones fans or not. Uh, does this news sound like good to you? Cause I'm, I'm so torn. I love game of Thrones. I love these guys. I think they make great television. They're, they're, they're smart. They're funny. They have good storytelling instincts, but do we need more white male star Wars <laughs> storytelling? Uh,
1: what do you guys think? You, you know, I'm going to start this out because I feel like I'm going to be the dissenting opinion on this. Um, you know, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Game of Thrones. I know most of the people on the staff and in the world are. So I know I am in the minority here. So the this news doesn't uh, get me as excited as hearing, you know, Ryan Johnson is doing a trilogy of Star Wars films, which, by the way, is, you know, unconnected to this, um, which is also another thing worth talking about is, you know. Now that we're going to get three Ryan Johnson Star Wars films, we're going to get a series of these Star Wars films. Did they say a trilogy or just a
3: series? Just series. They don't specify trilogy. S-
1: series. Uh, you know, that's probably at least five, if not six, movies right there. Does that mean that the Star War- the Skywalker saga is going to be over after nine? And uh, d- does that, or does that mean the standalone stories are going to be over after Solo? <laughs> like because it seems like you know with six movies, they they have themselves planned out well well into the you know the next decade um and also um you know w- one of my complaints about uh the current skywalker Sar- saga star wars films which i know any listener of the podcast has or has heard me complain about is that you know they are kind of auteur driven they're bringing a filmmaker in for each episode and they are not doing much of long- in terms of long-term planning so there's not like an overall story arc it's interesting to me that kathleen kennedy has hired ryan johnson to you know write and direct a a trilogy of star wars films and also you know these guys to plan a series so it feels to me that she might be feeling that uh you know serialized story storytelling on a grander scale of like planning it out might be the way to go in the future but uh yes uh not having the love for game of thrones i know like you know I know everybody out there loves, loves these guys, but let me just remind you, one of them wrote X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know what, at least hire Michelle McLaren to direct one of these episodes, one of these movies, like, you know, she is a mainstay on Game of Thrones, get, get, get a woman, uh, a female director in there, uh, but let me go to, uh, one of, uh, the huge Game of Thrones fans, Ben, what is your thoughts on this big news? Um, I
0: am sort of right there with Jacob in that I love the capabilities that these guys have, but I also uh, am a little hesitant in terms of uh, of what it says about the Star Wars franchise in general and the the behind the scenes decisions that are happening. Um, I mean, they're they're definitely um, an interesting choice and. Like you said, Peter, there is the possibility that they get a female director to come in. Although I wouldn't necessarily call Michelle McLaren a mainstay in Game of Thrones. I think she's probably only directed like four episodes in the history of the show, and that that was in the early seasons of the show. Um, so, and she was the only female director. Uh, as far as I know, to to ever be on Game of Thrones. And that's a show that's been going for almost a decade. So uh, it's okay, not that, exactly that shows my Game of Thrones knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's wildly capable as a filmmaker in her own right. And actually, I'm she's directing Chris Pratt and Cowboy Ninja Viking. We talked about that just a few days ago. Um, So I wonder what that's going to do if she theoretically, you know, even if she's interested in this. Uh, what the timing will look like when all of this shakes out. But yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, the idea of this being specifically labeled a series and not a trilogy is sort of fascinating to me. Um, It's also interesting that they don't specifically say in the official announcement that came out of StarWars.com today that, um, you know, what kind of movies these are going to be. Um, When Ryan Johnson's trilogy was announced, they specifically said that Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before explored. And they don't have any details like that in the announcement that came out today about Benioff and Weiss's new series. So does that mean that these guys are theoretically... Maybe they're going to be writing like an Obi-Wan movie or something like that? So maybe the idea that the standalone Movies are coming to an end after Solo is not necessarily set in stone. I don't know. There's there's a lot to sort of parse here, but I'm interested uh, more than anybody else in what the one non-white guy on this uh, podcast <laughs> thinks. So I want to throw this to HT and see what she thinks about all this.
2: So I kind of hate this news. Um, I used to be a really ardent Game of Thrones fan, uh, but I really dislike the direction that. D and D took with the series uh, starting with season three and on, and I think that they're just not good writers. Uh, when it came to adapting the first few seasons of Game of Thrones, at risk of this turning into a sort of Game of Thrones rant, they had um, they're really good when it came to became, being faithful to George R. R. Martin's narrative, and. um kind of creating and generating really pulpy and exciting moments along with some really interesting uh, character dynamics between characters like Cersei and Robert or Arya and Tywin. But then in later seasons, when they veered off from the source material even more, the series started becoming, started transforming into sort of nihilistic nonsense verging on fan service. And I think that they relied heavily on uh, the nudity and shock factor that comes with hbo series and kind of in turn use that as a placeholder for actual plot building and um, earned storytelling so i did, am not a big fan of them I, uh, I dread to see what they bring to a star wars franchise especially with me star wars has always been uh, a optimistic really hopeful series and Bringing the, these Game of Thrones creators in kind of so, sort of catalogs the the direction that, that Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm are trying to bring Star Wars into, which I feel like is the gritty, uh, grim version that we've seen in Rogue One. And I don't know if I really want that, especially with Rogue One being such a excuse me a contradiction of of things and. I'm not sure. Yeah, how, I I don't like this news, and I don't think that they were the best choice for a new Star Wars series. One thing. I'm sorry.
3: I disagree with you so much. I just I don't want to turn this into a Game <laughs> of Thrones show, but maybe in a future episode, you and know, I can throw down a Game of Thrones.
2: <laughs> it, well, it... I. Just have a lot of issues with their writing of female characters in particular and their over use of rape and sexual assault on women. So I it,
1: it, is that them or George?
3: It's both.
2: It's both, but they definitely bring it more to the forefront of things. And I just, I think that they miss out a lot a lot on a lot of the nuance that even George R. R. Martin uh, you portrayed in his books. And they kind of place women into these really uh, sort of dense not dense Um, these really simple categories
1: yeah um, I, I kind of wonder if they are hired uh, because of their talents or if it is maybe um, a direction that Star Wars wants to go in do you think like I mean Star Wars always been based off fantasy tropes in a sci-fi world but do you think you know they might be going to like the Knights of the Old Republic kind of timeline like you know, if you're going to go into that kind of world, maybe these kind of guys are the kind of guys you want to get to tell a story in that uh, era of of the Star Wars galaxy. Um, we haven't heard from Chris yet. Chris, what are your thoughts?
4: Uh, I actually agree with pretty much almost everything HT said. I don't care for Game of Thrones, honestly. I, I liked it when it started and then... I just sort of got sick of it. I got sick of it because to me that show is literally like misery porn, and I'm miserable enough, as everyone knows <laughs> that I don't need <laughs> I don't need a show to make me more mi- it just it just seems like that show is on an arc where anytime there's a slightly likable character, they're instantly going to die, and I don't you know
3: like I don't I'm have time bed.
4: yeah i don't I don't have time for that in my life right now. i'm I, like I said, I'm miserable enough, so I, I sort of gave up on the show, and this just seems like really obvious to me it's like it's so obvious it's boring that they they picked these guys like like oh these guys have already worked in a fantasy medium let's just get them for star wars that's such a uninspired choice there's a world of creative people out there they could hire to do this and to just go to the game of thrones guys is just it's such a dull boring boring choice it's I don't like it uh you know when you know when they announced the new Ryan Johnson trilogy I was excited because I think Ryan Johnson is an interesting voice I you know and that was even before I saw The Last Jedi and I love The Last Jedi so I'm even more excited now but the the Game of Thrones guys do nothing for me I mean I'm I'm, maybe I'll change my tune once I see what they're doing but for now this is this is boring news to me (laughs)
3: You're all crazy. I'm taking crazy pills here.
2: (laughs) I think it's also interesting that this is the second time we've seen sort of a major sort of studio trying to get in on that Game of Thrones hype. We've seen it with Amazon uh, starting uh, developing their own Lord of the Rings series to sort of try to mirror the Game of Thrones big budget high fantasy uh, hype that HBO has generated.
1: Yeah. And um you know what? We should go to our own Brad Omen to get his uh, humorous opinion on uh, this late breaking news.
5: Listen, for all those people who have always wanted to see what a relationship between Luke and Leia would have been like, this <laughs> <laughs> this is the best choice for a future. Of... I think that maybe this new series of movies will just be an alternate timeline of the original trilogy, and Luke and Leia will get together. Uh, Han and Chewie will will uh, will also be together and it'll just be it'll be a whole new thing it'll be it's gonna be really exciting guys I don't know what you're talking about <laughs>
1: I, 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 I was gonna joke that we would get the first Star Wars movie where everybody dies but that that already happened
5: <laughs> <laughs> no um funnily enough I, I think I'm kind of right in the middle of HT and Chris and Jacob and Ben um, I, I keep up with Game of Thrones and I watch it but I'm not in love with it most of the time. I won't watch it when it's live. I watch it like the next day or even two days later. I'm not in a rush to see where it's going, but I'm interested in the story and seeing what they do with the characters. Uh, More recently, since the series has started to divert from uh, what has already been revealed in the books, I have become less interested and invested, but I don't downright hate it. I think if anything, the only reason I'm not against this news is because I think I like the idea of having more separate series of Star Wars movies that have nothing to do with the Skywalkers and have zero narrative connections to anything else that has happened in the galaxy because I just want to expand. And I feel like bringing these two guys in could take Star Wars in a different direction, not just narratively, but also maybe stylistically. And uh, even though I kind of agree with what HG said about you know what Star Wars represents and the spirit of Star Wars and that kind of thing, I don't think every... Star Wars movie needs to have all of those traits. That's, um, I think that 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 we're kind of starting to limit what Star Wars can be, as opposed to thinking about where it can go and the different areas we can venture to in the galaxy. You know, not not everything that exists in the Star Wars galaxy has to be uh, ha- have you know uplifting moments and a little bit of hope and and that kind of thing. I would like it if we started to divert stylistically more from the original trilogy and just make different stories that happen to be set in the Star Wars universe as opposed to movies that are a slave to the formula that you know George Lucas kind of accidentally created after the original Star Wars was such a hit. So I'm not I'm necessarily sure that these two guys are the best ones to do it. I would have been much more interested if uh, Reed Morano was the one who ended up getting hired to do a Star Wars movie, especially – you know, after seeing what she can do with a movie like I think we're alone now at Sundance, which was something that I was lukewarm on, but it also proved to me that like she can do some impressive things. You know, uh, behind the camera. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I think I'm just right in the middle, and I'm I'm not excited one way or the other. I think I'm just I'm more so just interested in like okay, let's see what new venues we can explore in the Star Wars galaxy.
0: She still might be able to come on and direct this because uh, like. Jacob said, we, we aren't 100% sure that they're going to be directing. So maybe that's uh, that's a combination that will end up happening. That would be kind of cool. Yeah,
3: that's I true. Wanna, I want to build off something that Brad said about um, Star Wars being multiple things. And these guys are, you know, their previous work has been darker than Star Wars usually has. So I'm just going to throw this out there to the table. Um, what if this is the old Boba Fett project that Josh Trank was going to do? And we do, and they hired them because they need somebody who's comfortable doing scumbag characters. Just throwing it out there.
1: Uh, I don't know. I think... Um, you know, I don't love Game of Thrones enough to offer an opinion here, so maybe someone else.
5: If they have a whole series of films set in like the more seedy side of the Star Wars universe, then... Uh, I think that would that could be kind of interesting. Um, I'm not necessarily on board for a Boba Fett movie because I don't I don't need to know any more about that character. He's he's fine just where he is. Um, but if it's something that deals with you know like a group of bounty hunters or like uh, something along the lines of that live action Star Wars series that was once in development or was it a video game? I forget the the one that was kind of set in like the the underbelly.
1: Well, both both were going to be set in the underworld.
5: Yeah, was that thirty one thirteen or something? That, that was a video mm-hmm. game. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I I think a, a series of movies, you know, set in a world like that, where we see kind of like the criminal underworld of Star Wars, kind of like uh, I don't know, I guess a Star Wars Boardwalk Empire or something like that would be kind of interesting.
1: I mean, I think that uh, would be interesting for a TV series, but I'm not sure if I want a movie. I don't know.
5: Tell that to the Godfather.
1: Ben, <laughs> did you do you have any thoughts on this? Um no, I mean I'm I'm sort of interested
0: in what uh HT and Chris as the dissenting opinion uh have holders in this uh podcast episode, what they think about m- maybe what a new Star Wars series could or should look like. Um Espe- H-T, I know you especially mentioned coming that,
1: from these two guys.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, I- these two guys or or if they um, yeah, these guys as the architects of it, but conceivably, you know, being able to pull in all sorts of different people to direct the the work that they're writing and producing. Do You guys have any, um, you know, even with them, even not being thrilled at the decision that these guys have been hired. Do you have any uh, hopes for what future Star Wars movies can be in this separate series?
2: I will say that D and D, the one thing, I, good thing I'll say about them, is that they're really good at creating a really talented and rich team of people who can build um, richly imagined worlds like the one we see in Game of Thrones. So they can conduct, I think, a they can lead, I think, a good team to create this world, whatever it may be. And um, yeah, I'm not really sure what I would, would assume it to be because there are just no details coming toward it. I do think that the, since they're... Their brand so much as that gritty and grim um, vibe we see with Game of Thrones. We're probably going to see a more seedy underbelly like you guys were saying. Uh, I'm not interested in a Boba Fett movie because (laughs) Boba Fett is not an interesting character to me. I'm sorry, Star Wars fans. Uh, But yeah, I mean, uh, I could see them, I guess, going with something more with more political intrigue maybe. Maybe that would be interesting, although we, we saw a little bit of that with the prequels and that was the opposite of fun. So I, I have no idea.
1: I mean, it just seems so strange to me that we, we heard Kathleen Kennedy after all, you know, the kind of failures in development, the Josh Tranks, the Lord and Millers, the, you know, Gareth Edwards reshoots. Uh, we heard that she was not looking at... um people that didn't have a lot of experience. You know, she wanted to go after, you know, writers and filmmakers that have a lot of experience. I'm not saying that these guys don't have a lot of experience. They have a lot of experience in TV, and I think in a way that's probably um, good because it shows they can get accomplish something under a, a tighter budget and a tighter time schedule. But uh, they, they certainly don't have a lot of experience um, writing big films. Um, you know, they are... De- for the most part, adapting. experience
2: with eighty-hour films. Well, th- th-
1: they're adapting this from a source material. I know that there a lot of what they've done in the last season is going off of you know, uh, not going off the source material, but um, you know they have something to go off of. Uh, here, it's creating everything from. I mean, I guess not everything from scratch because George Lucas created this world, um, but I, I, I guess. I oh no, it's just it's just interesting. So I guess, uh, Chris what what kind of story would they have to make f-
4: to get you interested? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do love the idea of opening up this universe. I, uh, you know, one of the things that, that's disappointed me about the the anthology films is they just keep telling the same story we already know over and over again. So I, I am interested in, you know, exploring this universe. There's an entire, you know, galaxy out there they can explore, so... You know, uh, it's it's a, it's a wait and see thing. You know, I'm not particularly inspired by this choice, but that could change. You know, it, you know it depends on what director they're going to hire. It depends on what story they want to tell. You know, it doesn't even. You know, it all depends on where they're taking it. I, I don't have anything I'm against, so I'll put it that way. But I just I just wish it were different people.
1: I <laughs> guess. The last question is, Jacob, you are probably the biggest fan of Game of Thrones on the staff. What would you like to see these guys tackle in the Star Wars universe?
3: Um, I'm actually going to uh, say I want them to tackle something that is outside their wheelhouse. I mean, we we talked about them being grim and gritty. I even brought the idea of doing a criminal underworld thing. But after a decade of Game of Thrones and doing that nihilistic dark fantasy, uh, part of me is wondering what it would look like if these two said let's leave that behind and make something fun and adventurous and pulpy more along the lines of the original star wars from from 77 so i don't want this to be game of Thrones in space i want this to be them taking their wildest dreams what star wars can be and doing something new with it that's why i love last Jedi so much it's ryan johnson uh being handed the reins to star wars and saying this is my personal star wars this is what it means to me so I want. I don't, I, don't, I hope they weren't hired to just do the same thing. I hope they were hired to really swing for defenses and do something that is as different from Game of Thrones as possible. As much as I love Game of Thrones, I don't necessarily need that dressed up in Star Wars clothes.
1: Okay, then I think we have covered most of it until we learn more on what this project is and uh, when we can see it. Uh, you know, it's just going to be all speculation, and I'm sure uh, we we will love to speculate. But we'll do that at a later time. Jacob, I'm going to let you go because uh, you have not seen the Cloverfield Paradox. Do you feel left out? No, everybody tells me it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll dive into that shortly. Jacob, thanks for joining us.
3: Of course. Talk to you guys later.
1: Okay. So during the Super Bowl, it was announced that the new Cloverfield movie, the third in the series, was coming out. It was called Cloverfield Paradox, and it was released right after the big game on Netflix. Uh, fans everywhere rushed to their TVs and and, and rushed to that Netflix app and, and watched the movie. We talked about some of the reactions, the first reactions yesterday, but we have all gotten together and, and seen the movie. Uh, so uh, I guess we're going to start off quickly with our with our brief spoiler free reactions before giving a little bit more because I'm assuming most of the people listening to this probably uh have care about this and have watched the movie or just want to hear our reactions before tuning out so uh so let's start this off with uh with Chris, who wrote the review for the site in space. no one can hear you screw up a franchise <laughs> uh
4: yeah i was I was very excited about this um I was excited about it even before. You know, they announced it was arriving right after the Super Bowl because I love the Cleverfield franchise. I love the first two films. So I was hyped. And then I watched it. And boy, was I disappointed. It was just it was a very poorly pieced together something. I don't even uh, this barely qualifies as a movie to me. It's just like a an idea someone had and then they quickly shot a bunch of scenes. And this is what we ended up with. <laughs> OK, uh, HT, what did you think?
2: I actually didn't think it was that bad. I was, <laughs> well, I, wasn't, I won't say I was thoroughly entertained for the entirety of the film, but I was on board with the film for at least the first, maybe two thirds of it, uh, and I thought that it was a, a really at moments it could it was a really gripping sci-fi thriller uh, that you know ha- hit all the marks for what a space horror film could be for me and there were moments where it kind of sabotaged itself by inserting the subplot that tied in the rest of the Cloverfield franchise back on earth but i think that the scenes on scenes on the spaceship or the the whatever the space center they're at uh were really good and that the cast was great um for the most part well the cast was great for the, but the scenes for the most part were good yeah. and I just i yeah, I enjoyed it, and I don't think it was that terrible up until the end when I think it kind of undercut itself with the, an ending that really um well we we can
1: talk about the ending a little bit later yes. we'll talk <laughs> about that um you know i'll I'll give my uh, quick reaction before I get to more more people I, I i felt um you know it felt badly edited, it felt badly shot it it felt uh derivative i I love some of the ideas that are at the core of the film i feel like with a different filmmaker and a different screenwriter this could have been something special um you know the cloverfield stuff does feel kind of badly executed almost like an afterthought almost like as if they threw it in there after the fact in reshoots and editing which i'm willing to bet happened uh and um yeah, I mean, there's only a couple moments in the film that I was like, wow, this is a cool moment. We could talk about those in spoilers. But uh, let's go to uh, Ben. Ben, what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I also did not really care for this movie. I, uh, like Chris, really enjoyed the cast and and was excited about it because I loved the first two movies. The um, 10 Cloverfield Lane was like on my top 10 of 2016. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of this franchise. Uh, but where that movie... I think worked almost on its own until the very end um, where it, it basically functions as a completely self-sustained story until it opens up and the, the wild ending of that movie sort of ties it into the Cloverfield uh, Cloververse, I guess Um, this one. I just, I don't think it stands on its own well enough to, to function as, um, You know not only a part of this franchise But just as a movie period it's like It's very you know as Peter already Mentioned derivative and uh, The characters as good as Gugu Mbatha-Raw is in one of The lead roles I mean she takes This so seriously and Has such a a way of Generating empathy for her character That I sort of felt for her You know in spite of how ridiculous The movie was becoming around her Um, But I, I think it's this movie starts out really well. I was totally on board with it, and then it just crashes and burns um, to the point where it, it just becomes unredeemable. But, uh, but yeah, Brad, what did you think about it?
5: Yeah, I I liked it uh, more than I thought I would based on you know some of the reactions and things like that. Um, I think the the characters are probably the worst part. They're all pretty two dimensional, and they only serve to move the plot forward or create suspicion or create situations where you're worried about them getting hurt, but they don't give you enough of a character to actually care when they do get hurt or when they're in peril or something like that. Um, but I, I like, I I like the idea. I like the story, I, I, um, of the the paradox itself and what they, uh, how the dimension uh, dimensions work and how it creates this, uh, you know, kind of a situation where anything could happen to any of them at at any moment because of how they crossed the timeline. And I just, I I think that all the stuff that happens back on earth feels tacked on, almost as if this were a separate movie that was forced into becoming a Cloverfield movie by creating that direct connection uh, to what we've seen before. And I think we could have done without that, or at least could have done with maybe something a little more subtle than what ended up on screen. Um, but I, I, I didn't hate it. I, I enjoyed it. I I liked the cast, and I I wish it was better. I think that there's there's probably a lot that ended up uh, getting cut out in favor of making a, a faster movie that's a little easier to digest uh, because of the the science of it all. But uh, yeah, I I, did, I I didn't hate it as much as uh, other people have. It definitely feels it feels better than a, a VOD movie but not quite as as good as what I would have wanted to see from a Cloverfield movie, especially after how good 10 Cloverfield Lane was. Yeah.
1: They, they, they don't explain much of the science in this movie, and they uh, <laughs> and I don't think they ever intended to. Uh, you know what? H D D. did you want to say something?
2: Oh, I think that if they had ex- went further into the explanation for the science, it would have definitely got bogged down even more with exposition. Yeah. I- but at the same time, it does almost feel like technobabble at points where you're just like, okay, I guess that's what's happening, um, sort of like a TV episode of Doctor Who or Star Trek.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I think at this point we need to get into spoilers. So if you have not seen the Cloverfield paradox, or you know want to uh, stay spoiler free, you might want to tune out right now because we are going to get into it. Um, so uh, you know, I, I guess where where should we start, uh, Chris? Let, let, let's let's get into spoilers okay well um
4: <laughs> uh jesus um <laughs> where do you begin I mean, you like,
2: know can you live relive your trauma chris
1: you know what? before before chris gets into spoilers i just want to say the beginning of this movie is like one of the worstly edited things i've ever seen it like reminded me of a student film they're like trying to show the people on the shuttle uh, or the space station like like time has gone by but like they're talking we can't hear them like
4: it's the oh i most... I actually liked that. That was like my the that was the really? one part of the movie I, I liked. I just yeah, thought it was cool. I like that too. I thought uh, it was clever because rather than bogging us down with exposition and the you know the mundane element, it's being like, all right, let's get you to the point of the story you need to be by you know sort of blowing through well, the quote unquote boring stuff. See, I, I kind of I, like... I like that in theory, but I feel like the execu- I'm, I'm judging more the execution than the idea of it. I mean, this movie is terribly directed. There there's it's just Dutch angles everywhere. For some reason, every angle in this movie is a Dutch angle, and I don't understand that. So I, I can underst so that that doesn't help things. Um, you know, the biggest spoiler of this movie is it ties itself directly to the first Cloverfield, which is also the biggest mistake this movie makes. Um The cool thing about the Cloverfield franchise, at least from my opinion is it didn't have to, the films didn't have to tie to each other that, you know, I always thought of Cloverfield as sort of like just a brand name, sort of like how the episodes of the twilight zone, they don't tie together. They're just all twilight zone episodes. And that's what I wanted the Cloverfield franchise to be. Like the films don't actually have to reference each other. They're just all under this Cloverfield brand. But for some reason, they thought it would be wise to make this film tie directly into the first film, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the this, all this stuff on Earth Earth is deliberately referencing, I guess, the first Cloverfield. I can't tell if it's supposed what? to be.
1: So again. One of our readers, Sade Glover, wrote in from San Leonardo, California, said, I just finished Cloverfield Paradox on Netflix, and I have a question. When does this movie take place? Is this before the first Cloverfield? Love the podcast. So our own Ben Pearson wrote a whole article explaining the connections of this movie. So I, I feel like before we get into this, Ben, why don't you give us a lesson on how this connects? Because I think a lot of people are confused because this takes place, seems like, Ten years from now, but the real original Cloverfield took place ten years ago. Like I don't even right. understand the connections.
0: Yeah, so so in I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Um, we see at the very very end of this movie is the a monster that looks very similar to the original Cloverfield monster, sort of bursting forth above the cloud line as the space capsule falls back through the clouds in the deep distance. So I think a lot of people are confused, thinking that this This is um, you know the the astronauts are returning to the same time period, like two thousand and eight, that the first movie took place. But I think what actually is happening here is that the uh, particle accelerator event, that is depicted in this movie is essentially like the Big Bang of the Cloververse. It's an event that causes a rip in the membrane of space time, as uh, Donald Logue's scientist character says on a screen in the beginning of this okay. movie. And I think and he even it
1: says it could it could affect not only the now, but the future in the past.
0: Yes, exactly. So future and the past. And I think it is essentially like the the equivalent of a wormhole opening up and these alien creatures coming in from different dimensions and sort of, uh, yeah, just being dropped into different points on the timeline. And it's important that they say the future and the past because, A, this movie takes place in 2028, so that's the future. Uh, We know that from the ARG campaign for the Cloverfield Paradox. And then it's also important for the past because not only for... Uh, the events that we saw in Ten Cloverfield Lane and the original Cloverfield, but also for the upcoming Cloverfield 4, which is called Overlord, and that one is set um, in World War II. So, I think this specific event, this particle accelerator v- event that we saw, um, that is like ground zero, and like everything sort of spreads out from there. In in so I think each Cloverfield movie thus far has taken place in a different dimension and um or a different timeline i guess if you want to call it that and uh the aliens or creatures or what have you um made their way into those dimensions or timelines because of what happens in this movie
1: so what you're saying is you know the events of this movie caused all of this to happen but this is not the same earth as cloverfield or cloverfield lane right it's kind of confusing it's interesting (laughs) um it's uh because I I think a lot of people, you know, they saw Cloverfield and they saw that like that end scene where they're in Coney Island and there's this thing that falls from the sky um which I think was later revealed in the ARG to be like a satellite. Yeah, and right. Some people were seeing this movie and thinking that was a piece of the space station or 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 that was them coming home. Doing, like I don't mm-hmm. know, it's very confusing. It's very uh they don't explain a lot and uh you know. it's, it's
4: what I would call poorly written, is what I would call it. That's...
1: <laughs> okay, HT, you, before you wanted to talk about the ending of this movie and uh, yeah. your dislike of the ending, let's get on it.
2: Yeah, the ending was very, like everyone was saying, it's very tacked on. And I think not only does it feel like it's shoehorned in to sort of put this movie under the Cloverfield umbrella, but it also undercuts the emotional payoff that we see at the end, which uh, we see Hamilton and um, Volkov. Um, oh, no, sorry. Hamilton and Schmidt uh, escaping the, um, the space station and getting home. And I I think we assume that they're eaten by the monster at the end and that was something that really angered me and was something that almost felt like the film was trolling me in a way like that was very dis- disrespectful I think of a, as a to a viewer and to the audience. So I really dislike that and I think that whatever was working in the film up until then, just kind of immediately lost its strength after that ending. And I will say I, I think that there are parts of this movie that did work because I really liked the uh, the surprising humor that was in the movie uh, that mostly came from Chris O'Dowd, like the scene where um <laughs> he asks his arm uh, after it gets cut off, what do you mean arm? I, I <laughs> laughed. It was hilarious. But yeah, there's like there are glimmers of of greatness in this movie. and I think if it had been tweaked a little bit more, it could have been a good film, but it just ended up being sort of an incoherent mess.
1: Brad, what do you have to say about uh, about the film, now that we're in spoilers?
5: Yeah, the, the ending is definitely confusing, because I, I was also under the impression that they were returning to uh, an Earth where the Cloverfield monster had been unleashed, and it was, like, somehow back in 2007, 2008, when the original movie was set, Um I, I don't dislike the idea of the, of them, you know, kind of uh, having to deal with the fact they're coming back to an Earth where there's these monsters around. But at the same time, that idea almost feels like it's better served in a TV series where if that was the series finale, that would be an interesting setup for like a new season of a TV show. Be like, oh, OK, so now these two have to try and survive on Earth uh, with these monsters around. And, you know, Hamilton has to try and Find her husband and da 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 da. But uh, otherwise, it's a vi- it's almost like it's a, a gimmicky Twilight Zone uh, ending almost that doesn't entirely. It's not really earned. But uh, it's I, not, I it's not think-
1: even clever because Donald Log basically says like he tees it up early in the film, and I'm like, oh, that's right. what the ending's gonna be.
5: Yeah, I just um, I, I I think I mostly disappointed in some aspects of this movie because there's, there's so many cool ideas and things in it that just aren't explained very well and would have made for an interesting, you know, a more compelling sci-fi movie. Like the, the whole thing with Chris O'Dowd's arm is great. Like I feel like I would have been more interested in a movie where they had to try and figure out how to more easily communicate with the themselves or the other people that were on the mission in the other dimension in order to figure out how to get back or save each other's worlds. Um, I think that would have been far more uh, engaging to to, um, to try and figure out, but it would have required a lot of probably explanation and exposition. But other, but without that, you know, it, does it make any sense why the 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 gyrosphere or whatever the hell that that thing was was in Volkov's body? Like, why? Do we any explanation of that whatsoever? I, I don't think so.
2: There was no. actually, there was an episode of, of Fringe that sort of delves into this. Uh, I'm going to play up the underrated Fringe love. So Fringe, there's an episode where um, it deals with multiple dimensions and where these two dimensions are colliding with each other, much like they do in uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. And we're seeing, because of that, a lot of body horror, a lot of things combining that aren't supposed to be combining. So um, like we see with uh, the the sudden emergence of items from people's bodies, or the worms appearing suddenly in someone's in uh, Volkov. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just like um, it's it's interesting because like it that episode of Fringe does it so well in that little forty five minutes, but here it only comes off as sort of an afterthought. Like, oh, this is anything something that could happen as a result of the Cloverfield. Paradox, but they kind of just brushed aside, and I think that was something that would have been really fascinating to delve into, especially with the emergence of um, uh, Elizabeth Debicki's character um, and she kind of like being in the walls and that body horror of the wires and pipes being going through her body, and um, they kind of just drop it after a while, and it's it's something that could be easily explained and also would make make for much more compelling uh, sci-fi storytelling.
0: Yeah, and she and Chris O'Dowd, who loses a freaking arm in this movie, are both like almost instantly back to normal and don't really react to the idea that they've just under underwent you know severe traumatic um, things (laughs) that just happened to them. Uh, The characters in this movie, to me, are are like just one step above the the people in Prometheus. Like these are some of the dumbest scientist characters that I've seen in a long time. It it takes them so long to realize that. They have, you know, gone into a, an alternate dimension and it's like we they heard the same news broadcast that we did. So the audience instantly knows what's happening and it takes them like an extra what feels like 10 or 15 minutes to sort of catch up to it. So it's it's just a really frustrating movie. And I think sort of along the lines of what what H.C. was saying, where. Um, you know, they pick up this interesting idea and then just immediately drop the ball. It it sort of goes along with uh, the ending of the movie as well. It's like the first Cloverfield movie ends in a pretty dark way. Like everybody dies in that movie. All these characters that you've just spent this entire film with and learned to love and care about are dead and there's nothing you can do about it. And 10 Cloverfield Lane you've spent this whole time with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winshead's character and she finally escapes only to realize that her life is screwed because there's all these alien creatures flying around and she barely makes it out alive, but it's not a great situation that she's in. So the idea of the move of them crashing back to earth and Uh, coming back to a place that is significantly different than what they're expecting and uh, probably way worse off with monsters walking around sort of feels thematically in line with what the Cloverfield movies have done before. But the execution of it, like Chris was saying, is just so lazy and and boring that it, it just, it, it lands with a thud instead of like an, oh shit moment, you know?
1: Yeah. I really wish they got more into these ideas with the different dimensions. Um, you know, I love what they did in Fringe, uh, which is J.J. Abrams, a produced show. And, uh, you know, there was a movie at Sundance a few years ago or not a few years ago, seven years ago now called Another Earth, which was directed by Mike Cahill and stars Britt Marling of uh, the OA fame. And it was uh, about the discover, uh, discovery of another earth. And uh, it, it was an interesting character drama. But, like, I, I think there's a lot to be done there in sci-fi that isn't being done uh You know, I wanted to rant that um, I know we were talking about Star Wars and, you know, my rant that, you know, they aren't doing enough to make it uh, the planning and serialization of that series. Uh, Like, I feel like, you know, they're just doing it uh, episode by episode. And that is really annoying to me as a fan who wants like kind of a story arc that that feels like, you know, from the first episode to the end feels kind of like it was built up and paid off on Um, this series, the Cloverfield series uh, feels even worse because to me, and I know JJ Abrams gets this, you know, a lot of people like to knock JJ Abrams. I, I'm actually a JJ Abrams fan, but, you know, a lot of people like to knock, you know, Lost for doing this, for kind of setting up a premise and not having a plan. And, um, but I think with this Cloverfield series, it's, it's like that, it's all the complaints against JJ times 100 or 1,000 because they are basically making these movies as if they are a regular movie and, uh, and then, like, being like, let's make them a Cloverfield movie after the fact. Um, you know, uh, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane, no matter what you say about that, uh, you know, that was what the movie was when it was shot. Do you know, what I mean, like they didn't make it into a Cloverfield movie. They might have, you know, titled it 10 Cloverfield Lane um, and that might have been J.J. Abrams uh, plan all along. But this film, from what I understand and from what we're seeing, was not shot as a Cloverfield movie. Um, a lot of this these connections were were all added in post-production it it seems lazy like it seems like if you're gonna i i like black mirror and i kind of love the idea of i wish black mirror i know they have these easter eggs that kind of connect some of the episodes and stuff i i kind of wish that it was we kind of as the show goes on realize that it all takes place in one world with the same corporation do you, do you know what I mean like we we pa- like sometimes have characters that we've seen before and i feel like uh you know th- that that sh- showrunner is so resistant to that and i i totally understand that he wants to make it episode by episode if you're going to do cloverfield movies and you are going to have them be connected then fucking plan it out and tell the <laughs> tell the director before he makes the movie that he's making a cloverfield movie in the writers too, you know. Let's let the writers in on it so that you know that they can actually make something that's comprehensible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's not yes. a it's not a crazy <laughs> suggestion, Peter. I think that's like a pretty basic uh, a pretty basic thing that they could definitely do. But it, it seems I don't know. It's like these they take these these smaller budget movies that that maybe. Um, they don't think have uh, that. Th- they don't think are financially viable on their own, and then just slap the Cloverfield brand on them. Um, and I, I think he- they've done it twice so far, and th- it worked once, and it definitely didn't this time. So it's just a matter of you know whether they're going to continue on with that being their method of making these movies, or if they are going to actually try to put some more time into them in the earlier stages. Because um, I-, it- I
1: think. It, it's the worse. later
0: the oh sorry i was just going to say the later they acquire these things and then retrofit them i feel like the worse off everything is going to be
1: yeah i was going to say while we were on this this podcast uh the rap reported that paramount is still releasing jj abrams overlord uh despite the K- cloverfield paradox netflix deal um i think that might be the first movie in this in this franchise other than you know their original 2008 cloverfield that the director and the writers might actually have known that it was going to be a Cloverfield movie. So I'm wondering if that movie is going to be called Overlord or if it's, it's going to actually be released as a Cloverfield movie after, after this kind of, yeah, Cloverlord. But it it seems, I don't know. What, What, what do you, what do you guys think about the future of this Cloverfield franchise? Do you think like it should be what Chris is saying? It should be, you know, episode by episode, it should be like the Twilight Zone and not have any connection whatsoever. I kind of like the idea that they explained why everything's happening, but the whole rest of the movie was just such a disaster, and that explanation was, felt so tacked on, and you know, it didn't feel uh, organic to the story at all. Yeah, uh, Brad, do you have any thoughts?
5: I think I'd like to see uh, David Benioff and DB Weiss create a whole new series <laughs> of Cloverfield movies separate from the, the Cloverfield saga. Okay. Uh, and also, also still with incest, just so everyone's on the same page.
1: Great. Great. Um, you know, before we go, I think we have probably all said what we wanted to say about this movie. Oh, I, I do want to say I loved, loved, loved the, the sequence where she's stuck in that, um, that section and it fills up with water. Yeah, I was going to mention that, too. Yeah, yeah. it Freezes. That was such cool imagery. Like, I wish it was in a better movie. Is, there, yeah, is I'm, glad there...
0: you br- I'm glad you brought that up because I, I meant to I wrote that down actually is one positive t- thing to say about this movie, because that, that part was something that I haven't really seen before. I thought that was really imaginative and uh, and really well executed.
2: I just wish this cast was in a better movie. I really like this cast, and I love how diverse and how talented each of these actors are, but they were really wasted in this movie, uh, despite some really interesting moments and and that they had.
1: And uh, we should also mention there, you know, every Cloverfield movie has some kind of uh, connections and Easter eggs and cameos, you know, Slusho is in all of these. I think it's pretty obvious in this one. Um, you know, there's some cameos in 10 Cloverfield Lane, like Bradley Cooper's on the phone and stuff like that. Uh, Chris, you wrote up an article on the site uh, detailing two not so secret Cloverfield Paradox cameos. Uh, tell us about them.
4: Uh, yeah, so right at the beginning of the movie, there's a, a news reporter on the radio, and I actually didn't catch this when I watched it, but that is the voice of Simon Pegg, who is, of course, in multiple J.J. Abrams films. He was in Mission Impossible 3. Uh, he's He was in Star Wars, The Force Awakens. He was in uh, the Star Trek films. Um, and then the other one is a, a bad robot staple. Uh, Gre- Greg Grunberg is uh, he's the guy who's basically like the NASA mission control guy who keeps talking to both everyone on the space station and uh, the main character's husband as well. So he keeps basically talking to everyone in the film and so yeah, they're yeah. they're voice yeah, cameos. He's
1: in almost every one of JJ Abrams uh I think he's in every one of the films directed by JJ Abrams. I think they went to kindergarten together. They've been lifelong friends and uh I almost wonder if he's going to be in Star Wars episode 9 because he was in Force Awakens, but I I'm a, I'm guessing Snap Wexley died cuz we don't see him in 8 but maybe he was on a mission somewhere else. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, uh, is there any other things that people notice that they want to mention before we go?
5: Uh, they Even though this isn't the Abrams movie, they still snuck in the Kelvin reference to J.J. Abrams' grandfather. The gas station that you can see in the opening scene is called Kelvin. Uh, and oh, yeah, the also- gas
1: station in Cloverfield Lane is also called Kelvin. It's the, And yeah. it's also featured in Super 8, Super I
5: think? 8. Yeah, yeah, Super 8. And then there was, I saw a Kelvin uh, sticker somewhere on one of the doors in mm-hmm. in the Cloverfield Space Station as well. Yeah,
0: there are a few other uh, examples like that that I uh, screenshotted and put in my articles. So if you guys are looking for even more connections, you can check that out at SlashFilm.com.
1: Yeah, and you can read Chris's full review on SlashFilm.com. I'll link it in the show notes and also uh, his article on the cameos uh, in the film as well. Um, we we have so many people on here i'm not sure if we okay L- let's just say where we can find you on twitter brad omen
5: at ethan underscore anderton
1: ben at ben pears HT,
2: at h chan Bowie,
1: chris at c evangelista 413 uh, you can find more of all the stories we mentioned today, including the big Star Wars news uh, on SlashFilm.com. Uh, you can find this podcast, Slash SlashFilm Daily, post every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free and send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. We might mention them on the air. And please go rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We'll see you tomorrow.